Hi there. We'd like to welcome you to the virtual kitchen table. We are Erin from Everlearning, Haley from Taking a Kinder Path, and myself, Ashley from Ashley as Mama and Storytime Shelves. We're gathering to have conversations about family life and home education, most specifically unschooling, which is sometimes known as self-directed education, or as I often refer to it, consent-based learning. We'll be sharing experiences and ideas, learning as we go. We hope you'll pull a chair up to the table and join us. Hello and welcome back to the virtual kitchen table. I'm Hayley and I'm here with Erin. Hello Erin. Hi Hayley. Hi and I'm here with Ashley. Hi Hayley. Hi Erin. Hello. It's nice to be back with you both. Um, okay, today's episode we thought it would be interesting to have a bit of a discussion about the different, I'm going to say jargon the different terms and definitions that there are related to home education but I guess we're going to be um, thinking specifically or mostly about terms that relate to unschooling um, so the first one I guess it, that we should really uh, address is this whole term uh, what is unschooling um, so we have done a whole episode on what is unschooling but I'm not sure which, um, yeah, I'm not sure where this is going to fit in, whether you're going to be listening to this after that episode or before. Um, so, yeah, when we think about um, what our definition of unschooling is, um, I think there are quite a few different elements to it. But one of the most simplest, I guess, is the idea of um, learning without a curriculum. Um, often people will talk about the self-directed, child-led element of unschooling. Um, and I think we'll unpick those terms a bit more a little bit later. But if we're thinking about the child being the focus um, of education, learning, rather than perhaps where we might think of a school often the school will start with a curriculum. You know, schools have got lots of lots of pupils, lots of children to cater for. So they're going to come, they tend to come from the direction of thinking about a curriculum first. Whereas as an unschooling family, we're starting with the child first. I mean, how does that sound to you two? That sounds good to me, Haley. I mean, it's such a big conversation, right? It's such a big term. And I think that that is that idea of it flowing from the child out rather than this sort of prescribed top-down structure. That's, that's what comes up for me, just hearing what you've said there. And I think that that um, encompasses probably such a big piece for most, for most people. Um, around what they think of when they think of unschooling. I just pulled up, this is the beauty of technology. I just pulled up on another um, device because I, I had written way on back uh, a blog post called Understanding Unschooling. And I was just, just suddenly thought, hmm, I wonder what I put in that particular post. And so I defined it um, Unschooling involves respecting children's right to own and determine their learning, 
with available guidance, support, and wisdom from parents and others. So that's pretty short, <laughs> but that's that was one thing that, that came up for me. But I think, as you said, it's interesting, the more we um, look at what unschooling is, there are so many different pieces of it, and maybe different pieces speak to different people. I, I'm assuming they do, right? So yeah, I would agree with both of what you've shared there. And uh, then I really think about how unschooling, um, yeah, can look different for each family or for each child. So I always find it when I, uh, helpful when I am in a conversation with someone else, um, whether it's another family that homeschools or another family that unschools, I get, I find myself getting quite curious as to like, what do your days look like, which we we've talked about on here. I think we have that whole episode. What do your unschooling days look like? Um, and yeah, we've talked about, about unschooling and what that means and stuff, but really I think that's what we would probably all have in common is that it's kind of more child center. And like personally from my own experience, like I think about how um, it's um, or someone, Aaron, I think you said like the respect piece, right? Like going about our days, going about our learning in a way that's respectful to the children and like kind of centering them and our relationship with them. Um, that's kind of, yeah, I like what you shared, Aaron. I liked how it was short because it is, it's a, it's a big one, right? Well, I was thinking about how um, in our intro, like in the podcast intro, we each talk about, uh, I think I, I talk about it you know, that I often call it whole life learning. And I think Haley often calls it natural learning. And then I think you talked about consent-based. I can't remember if it's consent-based learning. It might be consent-based education, but definitely the word consent being in there. And I was thinking about how each of those um, do relate so strongly to unschooling. And yet they are, they each kind of come in from a slightly different angle, which is, interesting but they're each slightly incomplete and I, I was thinking which is fine because we can't possibly like I was thinking about how a lot of people don't necessarily care for the term unschooling um because it just doesn't it doesn't necessarily fit what feels like is happening for their family and I think also it can it can have some negative connotations and I think it can be easily misunderstood but how we often still use the term because we need to, to find we need to find a way to share our ideas and do reading that's related to what we're talking about so I think usually we're talking about this we all kind of know what we're talking about but it's interesting how uh, not just us but other people as well we choose a piece of it that kind of speaks to us in that moment at least. So I was thinking about like, so if I'm calling it whole life learning, to me, it talks about how learning is everywhere. And it's, it's really part of everything that we, that we do. So it's, you know, I don't necessarily value academic learning over practical skills, or I don't necessarily value stories over movies or, um, you know, I guess we, we could, could go on and on with all the different things in the world, but, but what it really does is just focus on the what, like, what are we learning and valuing the what it doesn't dig so much into the how, which I think Haley, your maybe preferred term of natural learning 
really digs into that, that how, like that process of learning and that idea that, um, and, and you can tell me if I have this right from your perspective, but that idea that kids come into things in their own time and in their own way, and there's not necessarily a linear path to learning, but that learning does ha- just happen really naturally at a child's own own pace. And then actually I was thinking about the consent-based, which centers so much around the relationship and and respect and really kind of talks about it from that angle. So I wonder if it's almost like, it's almost like when people are wanting to understand about unschooling, do we need like a big visual umbrella with like all the words? Because so many people seem to struggle with the word unschooling, but it is what we keep coming back to more than anything else, I I think. Yeah, it's so interesting that we, yeah, I I mean, there's one thing, I think we're all friends because of because of the term unschooling that is how we found each other we I live in the UK you guys both live in Canada um we found each other through our blogs and through Instagram and through um uh through mutual friends that that had an interest in this particular topic um and I think so yeah, so unschooling is really valuable from that sense. But it's also really interesting how we all have quite naturally come, come decided that there was an alternative term to unschooling that actually we preferred. <laughs> and we made that part of our introduction. And I can't remember how that came about, but that is quite an interesting thing, really, that it, I guess for all, so for all three of us, it is not our top preferred term, but we appreciate the value of using it because it yeah has helped us to find each other and I think one of the reasons why it is so difficult to define I guess is because it's often used it's often um there's a spider running across my table sorry <laughs> just putting me off for a minute I'm not I'm not worried about spiders it's just quite cute anyway so unschooling often is is um is spoken about as if it is a method of homeschooling and I think, or a method of home education. And I think it definitely is an alternative to school. Um, but I guess for me, and I'm, I, and I'm guessing as well for you guys, we don't really think of it as a, as a, a method of homeschooling. We probably more think of it as a kind of philosophy of life, really. And it's more about how we, how we feel about learning and motivation and um, respectful relationships with our children rather than about how we day-to-day um, homeschool, home educate our children, I guess. I don't know. Does that make sense? Do you agree? Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I don't know really actually what I could add to that because what you both shared just makes so much sense and it's a tricky kind of a tricky topic, but I agree so much with what you said, Haley, as far as um, my experience with the term unschooling, um, like I wrote right in my note, um, the purpose of that term for me was finding resources and connections. So exactly what you said. Um, But then um, I can't just stop there with unschooling because of what you said, Aaron, right? Like, and I agree. It's interesting when you said that, like you like whole life learning, which I, I'm like, yeah, that's what I do. Um, I, I could, 
totally interchange and use that term um, instead of say consent based um, and same. Uh, actually, I think on my Instagram, I might even have right under my name, natural learning, or maybe it actually says natural home education. I'm not sure now, um, but I've found with um, whole life learning, natural learning, you know, consent based learning or consent based education. I don't remember what I said either. Um I find for me personally, I don't get too hung up on the terms. Like I like having them and I appreciate having them. Um, consent base makes a lot of sense to me, I think, because it really link. And I don't know that I could talk about this too much in depth, but like it really links to my why we unschool um, because of that relationship piece. And, and I feel that on a daily basis. So consent base just really makes a lot more sense and it's just maybe more specific um, to our experience than unschooling. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I um, love that. I think, I think consent is really crucial. Definitely for me as well. It's really, it's a really important part. And I think two other really important parts are the respect and the trust. And I think, um, yeah, that those elements all together are really, um, yeah, for me, they're kind of fundamental. Um, I've also got a blog post about what is unschooling, and I've just looked that up on my phone as well, Eric. <laughs> Copying you, but um, I wrote down that uh, unschooling is a way of living and learning with our children and looking at the world inspired by a set of common ideas. Now, I wrote down six common ideas learning happens naturally, learning happens all the time, learning is personal. Coercion creates resistance, delight and purpose drive learning, and trusting children. So those were the six aspects that kind of stick out to me. Those are the driving things, I think, that I, yeah, that's what unschooling means to me. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting because in those six um, uh, sort of aspects that you listed, I mean, you can see um consent-based learning in there and you can see natural learning and you can see whole life learning in there and I'm thinking about other terms I've been doing a bit of writing about this as well and and other terms I think of like people will talk about self-directed education or um you know delight delight directed learning people have these different ways of talking about things and they sometimes mean slightly different things but I feel like I like that one, Haley, because by going on to list those, it, it feels like you really kind of, um, what's what I'm looking for, like capture quite a few different different aspects of it. And I wonder too, like, I think the circumstances of our own personal life or the, the reason we make decisions, which you just alluded to, Ashley, I think have a lot to do with the particular principle or the pieces that stand out for us. But I also think even just the, the, like that can change with time, right? So even the, the time period. So I think the idea of whole life learning for me, um, as I got closer to my kids being older and now with them being young adults and I'm still seeing them just like be curious and, and move toward things. And then for myself as well, it's, it's just a term that fits for me maybe in a way that I didn't necessarily like it didn't pop up for me when my kids were little. 
right? It's almost more of like a hindsight or what's speaking to me right now. So it's interesting to think that, you know, we don't have to be stuck with a, with a term or a label. We can, different things might, might fit for us as time goes on. Um, or we yeah. might even back to something or, yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that actually, Aaron, when you just said that, I'm like, that makes a lot of sense because um, I don't know that I will use consent-based education or consent-based learning, um, even as my kids are, say, um, like, so they're 10 and 7 now, so say as teenagers. Like, I think lots of times there's, I mean, since I've had my kids, like, since they were really little, consent, not that I would have even used that word. I'm trying to think of what other word, I guess respect. <laughs> um, but as they get older, I mean, I think in our society, as people get older, like when you're an adult, not that you um, don't run into issues where um, maybe you haven't given your consent or something. It's it's still just, you know, the, there still could be issues around consent. But I think children are much more vulnerable, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, um, where adults in their lives, whether it be parents or teachers, um, maybe don't first think about getting the children's consent when it comes to how they're spending their days or what they're having to learn. So I can see how as my kids get older, maybe that like I'd come further away from that. So that's helpful to hear Aaron, like how it can, yeah, you can stay flexible and, and, and use what fits at that time. Hmm. I, I mentioned at the beginning, um, I mean, I'm, I brought it up. I mentioned that, some people do refer to unschooling as child-led learning. Um, but for me, I don't love that term. That's one of my least favourite terms, I think, related to unschooling. And that's not because I don't think um, that it's important for my children to be front and centre. They are the most, you know, this is their learning journey. I think they are the most important person in this equation. But I also think I also don't, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't take my responsibility lightly. I think, you know, my children are not on their own leading this journey and not having any support. I think that unschooling, um, natural learning, whole life learning, consent-based learning, all of that works best if children are in a supportive, encouraging, safe, um, stimulating, inspiring environment. And that they have people around them that care, people around them that are curious themselves, people around them that are willing to introduce introduce them to the world. And I guess that's what I I know we we, we are going to have an episode all about parents' role in unschooling coming up. But for for me, yeah, it, it, um, I think it's really yeah I take that responsibility very seriously, and I feel like my job is to I guess. Um, be a, a trusted partner introducing my children to the possibilities I guess, of, of the work you know I recognize that I've been here a bit longer there are experiences that I've had that they haven't there are things that I can tell them about that they you know that they haven't encountered yet or they're you know it's I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not the thing that I don't like about the child-led is it kind of implies that they could just get on with it on their own um, not that I'm saying that they couldn't because because they, you know a lot of stuff they they definitely could but I feel like this all works best for me in the context of, of yeah respectful relationships where we trust each other and we're here for each other and we're all working together to that 
end of, of, yeah, of learning, learning about life and learning about all the things they want to learn about so that they can have the best life for them, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I'm going to be suggest like I, there are a lot of links coming up on my mind as you're saying that Haley, because I think this is such an important um, distinction. And I want to say, I don't think it's an important distinction for the purpose of coming up with the right definition of unschooling. Cause I don't think that's what you're saying. Like what I hear you saying is that's not my favorite or that's not a fit for me. And I think, um, the word unschooling can mean whatever people want it to mean. There is no, (laughs) there is no absolute rule or agreed upon. So unschooling literally could mean being very hands-off and being very child-led. But I think the distinction for me is, is for that not to be the assumption, right? Because it is so different for each, for each family. And so when you were talking, I was thinking about there's a, it's, it's a very kind of short, concise um, blog post by Pam Sarushian. And I think I'm not going to try to remember the name of it, but it, it, it's, it relates to this, this idea of, of child led. So we will try to link to that. And the other thing that it brought up for me, Haley, is you had written a post. Um, oh, unschooling a voyage of discovery perhaps Mm -hmm. and you talk about yourself as the captain and the kids as the crew or at least that's how I understood the analogy I think I got it right (laughs) and it it was so um beautiful in the way that it talked about leading I, I think also giving space for others to lead sometimes but that the captain that that is your responsibility right and you're I mean, you have this analogy, I think, of like looking over the seas for, you know, dangers or possibilities or all these sorts of things. And I feel like um, I'd really like to link that post because I think in just sort of a lighthearted, but also like pretty poignant way, it really gets to the heart of what a lot of people are concerned about when they hear unschooling, which is that that there somehow is no guidance. Um yeah, I just I remember really relating to that when I read it. So I would like to um, to link that because I think this is a really important distinction that it, that it, it can mean that for people. It can mean child-led, but it doesn't have to be. And I think it can also, certain aspects can be child-led, right? Like a child really is always in control of their own learning. No matter what we present, <laughs> they, they take in or don't take in what they what they choose, even in a school environment. So there are aspects that are definitely child-led, but um, I think the other thing that happens is that people take child-led learning and they assume child-run family. <laughs> and that we've talked about that before, that idea that people are all, are often thinking from the perspective of like power over. So one person has to hold the power. So if you're saying as a parent that you're not um, holding all the power over your child, well, that must mean the child's holding the power. And in fact, it really is more of um, a collaboration that happens between people. And now I'm going on here, but this is making me think. So 
people might say, okay, but you know, you're using the word captain or you're using the word guidance. Does that, that not imply that you have power over your children? Um, and I don't have, I, I'm just, that's just interesting, right? I, I think that's the other thing is we, we don't always know exactly how to describe this because it's very hard to understand if you're not living it. Yeah, no, I love all the clarification that you've just given. And for me, I guess, I think it's really important that we as a family, I guess, are a team and that I think of being a partner to my children, I guess, in terms of... Um, I do want them to, to lead a lot of the time. If they if they want to lead, that, then that's great. But I don't expect them to lead all the time, I, I guess. I think I'm wondering if, if the article that you're thinking about is one that I was also thinking about, where there's a quote about it being more like a dance, um, where people take the role of uh, the role of um, the leader, um, kind of take you know sometimes one person leads more but sometimes another person leads a bit more it's it, it's kind of um the thing about the captain I was thinking the same when you were talking about that blog post so I wrote that quite a long time ago and I was thinking oh yeah some people might think oh that sounds like I'm kind of in charge and and I think it is it is true that when our babies are born we have such a lot of power over them and that is something that we need to acknowledge I guess and for me, it's more about how we discharge that power. I mean, we, we don't have absolute power because we can never, um, you know, with babies, we know, definitely we all know how we can't make them sleep and we can't make them eat and we can't, um, there are lots of things that, you know, we can't make them do. But we, we, but we do have such a lot of power in terms of how we can, how we direct their experience of being a baby, how much we listen to them you know our the actions that we take can make their experience very different um i guess and what and for me i, th I think responsibility is such a big thing i take my responsibility very seriously and i want my children to grow up with a sense of responsibility as well i think i think oh, we're going off in all kinds of angles now aren't we but for me respect and responsibility are very closely linked and I feel like um, in order for people to respect themselves and to respect other people they need to be allowed to be responsible for themselves and responsible for their actions and when we take away responsibility it, it, when we try to control people a lot um, they can find themselves be losing a sense of responsibility almost because you are in that sense of um you're spending so much energy resisting the control almost and fighting for your kind of fighting for your autonomy that maybe um yeah maybe you don't have that sense of responsibility to other people um i don't know if i'm making i don't know if that's making sense but um in terms of being a captain, one of the things I want is for my children to ultimately, I guess, to captain their own ship if they want. A kind of, like that whole thing of that the, the, the entire, um, lots of people say that your job as a parent basically is to get your children to the point where they don't need you anymore. And although I, I and I agree with that to a point, but I don't agree with it to the point that we, 
some people take it to mean you have to force independence on your children. Um, and I don't, um, yeah, I don't kind of subscribe to that. I feel like nature takes care of independence. I think um, Victor Bormatty and, and Gordon Newfield talk about that in their, um, in one of their books about how, yeah, we don't, we don't need to worry about independence because as humans, we are driven to be independent. That will come naturally. Our job is to nurture our children so that they can take on whatever independence they're ready for. I seem to have gone on for a long time. Sorry. No, it's so good. It's so good. I'm sitting here calmly, but my heart inside, I'm having one of these moments where I'm like, you guys are speaking my language. Like this is the stuff that as I am sitting here listening to you, I'm like, this makes sense. Like everything you just said, both of you, um, it, I'm like, yes, like I'm still at the kind of, so we're four years into unschooling. So I still feel very much in the beginning, but it's this type of stuff that I've heard and that I've read where just like naturally inside of me, I'm like, I agree with this so much. It just makes so much sense. And I want to point out, so I don't know if we, we can link it in the show notes or whatnot, but I think you're reminding me, Haley, of the conversation you had with Esther, because you touched on that a bit as far as um, how people feel when they're controlled. Um, so you had a conversation with Esther on, the, on her podcast, um, the Unschool Space recently. And I felt the same way as I was listening to that conversation. You were talking about that. And I'm like, yes, this is it. This is the stuff that I'm here for when I'm in unschool spaces and having unschool conversations, whatever we call it. Um, that made a lot of sense to me. Um, a couple of things I just want to highlight that I wrote down as both of you were talking, like Aaron, you said collaboration. And I think that is such a helpful, like I, I'm just so glad I've, um, heard about collaboration being talked about more and more um in in um like homeschool communities but also just in the in the parenting world um because i think that when we can learn as parents specifically how to collaborate with our children because that's another thing where i'm like yes that's what i want that's my goal i want to collaborate with my kids and i don't think i should or need to wait until they're a certain age to do that. I mean, it looks different, obviously, when they're younger and you're collaborating on whatever it is. Um, but that's a big one for me. And then the other thing, Aaron, when you were talking that came up for me, um, that kind of when you're talking about like being the captain of the ship that Haley wrote about, um, it made me, I took a, a, a leadership course in like a past career that I did. And, and I don't remember the quote exactly, but I remember walking away that day after someone was talking about um, leadership. And it was that idea that leaders know when to let others lead. So I thought that makes a lot of sense because I think Haley, what you said, it's important to recognize and acknowledge the power we just have um, as the parents in the family. I don't think I'm, I'm, I don't love the way I'm putting that, but I think you know what I mean. Um, acknowledging that um, like that does exist. Um, so having that awareness is helpful. Um, but, but that, yeah, I like what you said about the dance, right? It's like a good leader. Um, because I love a good leader, like a good leader, um, in any, um, space is comforting, is helpful. Um, but I feel valued, right? Like I'm not, I'm not um, feeling great about a leader if I'm not feeling like I matter um, and that I'm not valued. So when I think about it with our kids, 
I want, I want to be a leader for them. But I think that also means like what you guys have been talking about is that that means that I know when to step back. And I think that's helpful when thinking about um, what our day to day looks like when we're talking about this stuff. So some, how do I explain this? Like, I'm, I've thought about this for a while, how we know what it looks like for a family who the parents go to work or maybe one parent stays home and the kids go to school. We kind of know what that looks like, right? So I've always been, you know, like, what are the alternatives? What do those look like on a day-to-day? And when we're talking about this type of stuff, what does that actually look like on a day-to-day basis? And I think one thing that's been helpful for me more recently is recognizing that, you know, it's like, when do I lead and for how long do I lead? Um, and then when do I pass it on and, and let the kids lead? So this is probably going back a little bit to Aaron, what you were saying about the child led stuff. So yeah, sometimes depending on, I mean, and maybe it's weeks where the days look very much where the child is leading, but you're still always there um, or making sure that someone's always there meeting their needs and caring for them and stuff, but that it can shift too. And that I think that's what looks very unique for every family. Um, and I, and I love that because I think that's when, um, I mean, different things work, um, differently for different families. And that makes a lot of sense. So when there's that flexibility and permission almost to take time to figure out what does collaboration look like in your family? What does it mean when, um, you know, you're talking about that, who's leading who, or facilitation is another word that comes to mind when we're talking about this. So anyway, I don't, I hope some of that made sense. <laughs> it made it, it made a ton of sense. And I, I, I just love how kind of things are, <laughs> one thing adds to another. And it, it, it makes me think, I guess, so if we're thinking about, so the term child led, I guess, led us to talking about, um, obviously leadership, but then also to power. And I wonder if some of the jargon or terminology that we use is, is sort of inspired or driven by our, our perceptions of that. So, so for example, child led, um, self-directed education, self-directed learning. Those are two others that, that come to mind. And again, the, the, um, focus is really on um, who's directing things, right? And, and I think that's why, <clears throat> you know, sometimes I struggle a little bit with the term self-directed education, even though ultimately we are all directing the, the like when I say I struggle, to be clear, I'm not against any of these terms. <laughs> I think they all have their place. And I think that um, I can see aspects of each of them in, in our lives, but it's another one um, maybe similarly to what you were saying, Haley, where it's, it's putting the direction on a particular person. And I wonder sometimes if some of the reason that we, we do that, even with our terminology, we assign power or leadership to one person or the other. You know, I think many of us have, have come through a system and maybe, you know, society in general, where we have a lot of mix up about that. Right. I think it goes back to, you know, having had a lot of years where our time was directed for us, that we really notice it and we kind of pull it out in specific ways. Whereas I think, you know, going back, excuse me, to that idea of the captain. And and to your point, Ashley, about actually liking, uh, you know, to have leadership and to have a strong leader 
when you are respected and when you, you do sort of have this more natural way of being, it's okay for somebody else to have power for somebody else to have some say versus grappling for it all the time. And, and I, I think, you know, you're, you're, I think you're both very right. And inherently as, as, as um, parents, we do have both power and responsibility and it's natural for us to guide. And when kids are babies, yes. And then I'm also thinking even now that my kids are older, maybe some of the reason that we have trouble defining it, because I'm struggling to define it right now. Like I'm just interested in, in talking about it. I really don't have an answer to it, but when we think about it in the analogy of a dance, I feel like there's even a dance going on in my own mind sometimes because we, I think we all know that, you know, being a parent can sometimes feel like you don't have much power. You know, our, our kids do things and they are certain ways and they make decisions and it's like, Oh man. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we'll, we'll try this now or we'll, we'll adjust. And sometimes it does feel kind of like a place of powerlessness. And then other times I'm aware of even now that my kids are older, if I, if I wanted to the power that I could exert, because I do have more experience. I do have, I'm more, you know, established financially or settled or whatever. Um, When you think about it in a literal way, we really do have a lot of power. And so I think not only is there a dance between people in in kind of this respectful way of living with our families. But for me, it feels like there's a dance in my mind sometimes around, um, hmm, you know, do I feel like, do I feel powerless in this situation or, or am I maybe feeling a little too powerful here? So I think it just speaks to, I don't know, the reflecting that we're doing all the time. Um, which makes it hard to pin these things down. So, yeah. You talking about reflecting, Erin, is a great segue into talking about um, another term that gets um, thrown about a lot is de-schooling. And some people think, or at least I've, I've seen it said in places, some people have said on forums and stuff like that, that they... Um, imagine that unschooling and de-schooling are the same thing um, and, and, and that can be really confusing I totally get that whereas um, I don't I think they are very different um, definitely um, so I don't know um, whether you want to kick us off with that Erin oh sure <laughs> I can I can start us off by saying that I myself am confused about that so um yeah because and i feel like our resource list is is going to be massive on this one because this is this is now reminding me of a conversation on the um exploring unschooling podcast between pam larickia and i believe it was uh Lucia Silva. I'm going to, I'll have a look for that episode because I know I've mentioned it before, but Lucia was talking about um, the idea of de-schooling and she was differentiating between de-schooling to like homeschool versus de-schooling to unschool. So I'm going to look that up because I remember the way she spoke about it. It was like, oh, that really um, made a lot of sense to me 
because I have always had some confusion about that. If like, let's say that somebody was going to do a fairly conventional style of homeschooling, I feel like you would be de-schooling the um, building of school, but there would be the de-schooling for the child wouldn't be that much, wouldn't be as much because then you're going to a fairly schoolish style of homeschooling. Whereas I think with unschooling, yeah, the de-schooling can, you know, can really start to kind of um, mold together with unschooling itself. But I also think it depends on the child's experience. So if a child hasn't been to school, the de-schooling is really ours as a parent to, to do. Um, whereas it's different, of course, if a child's been in school, they, they would have a different, you know, a, a different process, I guess. But yeah, I feel like sometimes things are stated in in both homeschooling and unschooling writing and very, you know, I, I've often read this idea that, you know, you de-school the number of months for the number of years you've been in school. And that might be the case for some people. For me, that seems quite random. And it makes it sound as though de-schooling is a destination that you reach. Whereas I think that de-schooling just seems to go, apparently, <laughs> it goes on and on. <laughs> and it's not really something that we come to the end of. It's just something that we have new realizations around as we grow, as our children grow, as the world changes even right yeah um, yeah yeah I, I totally agree and I feel like yeah de-school. I mean we've been home educating and schooling for about 14 years but my de-schooling process is still going on I would say and there are new things to kind of de-school about and, and when we think what what do we mean by that term de-schooling I guess for me it's de-schooling is the process of questioning some of the assumptions that we have about life about learning about motivation about children about yeah it's kind of looking is standing back and looking at some um reflecting on, on what we think we know what we think is common sense what we think is um absolute fact and and looking at that through a new lens i guess of of um yeah questioning those things being curious about things and i think for, for me de-schooling is such an important part of unschooling and when we were just talking about the power i can't remember exactly what you said erin but it, it it made me think about the de-schooling process when you said it about people thinking either one person has the power or another person has it like there's a false dichotomy that there's only two possibilities that one you know there's one thing or there's another whereas in actual fact I think for most things in life there is more than there are more than two options or there are more there's often another way of looking at things and I think that's an important element of unschooling for me is that often I'm looking for um yeah I'm looking for the um yeah, for lots of possibilities, rather than thinking there's only there's only two options or there's only one option. It's about um, yeah, uh, being open to the fact that there are probably lots of possibilities. Um, yeah. yeah. So that that de so the de schooling 
is that process of questioning, I guess. That's mm-hmm. the, un- the unschooling is the way that we're living and learning with our children. And de-schooling is a very important part of that process. Yes. And that speaks t- t- to be to the idea, you know, when you're talking, Haley, about not limiting yourself between two two options. It There's something there to me. I, I can't remember what word you used, but it, it brings up the idea of intention. I guess the idea of intention for me that if we find ourselves, cause you're right. Usually there are all kinds of different ways to think about things. We, we don't always, it just doesn't have to be one way or the other, but often um, if our kids are used to being respected and they're used to being listened to, I think that our intention speaks volumes. So if we find ourselves in a pinch where we do have to, you know, take quick, uh, leadership or power over something or let's say there's a situation between two children and each wants you know quote their own way I think when kids are used to being listened to and they know that 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 we are trying our best and they've witnessed the kind of problem solving or brainstorming that you're talking about if they don't get you know quote their way at a particular time it's so much different for them because they know that the intention is there and that, you know, maybe in this particular situation we had to exert a certain amount of control or maybe the, the power got given to another sibling or that the sibling got their choice in that moment. But because there's been this history of being listened to, of witnessing parents, um, brainstorming different ideas, I think the impact is very different than when kids have come up in an environment that there are only ever those two choices and it's, it's framed as, you know, this person gets this way, their way, or this person gets their way, or I have the power or you have the power, but never both or never a back and forth. Yeah. I had to pop out there for a second. So I'm sorry if this doesn't make sense, but something's coming up with what you just finished saying there, Aaron. And it was going back to that idea of team. And I, just as you were uh, talking about those experiences within the family, I was thinking how we often, and I don't know if we would have done this as much before, because I, I, I don't know if it's the kids getting older or, or if it's kind of through my own de-schooling process, but I find that we're often spending time where, I guess it was probably first me facilitating it and saying, okay, well, there's three or four brains, like however many of us are in the situation, there's three brains here, we can come together and we can solve this problem. Um, And that was kind of me um, kind of thinking out loud with them rather than being like, I'm the mom, I have to come in and know the answer and just say, this is how it is. Um, So that was just my way of trying to figure it out in the moment. And just that's, that's what worked for us where, and I didn't get much response from them for the, I don't know for how long, but now I've noticed it started to shift a bit. And especially my youngest who seven will say something, he won't say it quite like that, but he'll say, we need to do a problem solving thing here. But I appreciate it so much because I'm like, oh, okay, good. Yes. This is something where you know that we can come together and we collaborate, we work as a team and we figure this out together. And it, it doesn't happen with everything, but it happens quite often with a lot of different things. And it's actually interesting because 
as I'm saying this, I don't know if my, I think my older one who's 10, I think has said that as well, but I, I think my younger one for some reason, who is more of my talker. So maybe that has something to do with it too. will say, we need to problem solve this, or he actually has a much cuter way of saying it. I can't think now, but anyway, I hope that wasn't too off, but that's what came up for me when you were talking about those, like kind of in the family experiences, Aaron. No, I think that was, that was right on line with what we were saying. So that's amazing, Ashley. <laughs> Swoop in and come right back on topic. <laughs> you, just, you just made me think as well, Ashley. Um, you reminded me of, Erin, you've got a blog post about um, t- homeschooling terms. And in your blog post, I remember that you mentioned um, a big juicy conversation, which I think is a term from um, Julie Bogart. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 and um, and I, I, I was just thinking, I guess, about you know, we we've got a whole episode on um, what does unschooling look like on a on a, a daily basis and whatever. And we talk about that a lot, and, and I know we've said this before, but it is so true that conversation. When we think about what are the tools of unschooling, hey, that could be another podcast episode. Um, what are the tools that we use in terms of? Um, yeah, ha, ha, um, yeah, the tools of unschooling, let's just go with that. Um, com- conversation is such a massive one uh, for us. And I think it, it, in school, I guess, there's a, there's a, um, a, a focus on, um, on a product often, isn't there, in terms of you have to write an essay about something or a, or a book review or, or a piece of art or, or there's something and I, I, you know and I get I, I get what that's to do with and you know I can understand there's practical reasons for that but when it comes to unschooling we don't and, and home education in general we don't always have those products but that doesn't mean that learning hasn't happened because a lot of the learning that happens happens through quite informal methods like conversation um and I just think yeah that's um I just thought that was an interesting, you just reminded me of that so much. Well, that's been a big part of my de-schooling because I was like through the school system and then also training to be a teacher really had this understanding that learning had to lead to a product. And that's been something I've had to, I don't know, de-school myself on a lot. And now when people say, Um, you know, if I'm in a conversation about how our kids are learning because they home educate or how are they learning or how do you know they are learning when you unschool, I finally have been able to be like, oh, I let, because I have conversations with them, Um, which, yeah, it's not because they do write an essay or do a test or put together a presentation. And it, I spent some time, part of the de-schooling was spending some time um, learn, uh, reading up on project-based learning. So there's another one that we hear in the home ed uh, circle or community, um, project-based learning. And I remember I got the book. There's a book on it. I, I won't be able to think of the author. And I was like, oh, maybe this is it. <laughs> maybe this is what I, I'm looking for. And I... I um, seen families and kids come up with like really, really cool projects that the kids are really into. And my, I wouldn't necessarily, I mean, I guess my kids have done projects, but it's like, I didn't know they were doing them at the time. But when I look back and be like, yeah, that was a project. Um, But it was like so much of how I know they're learning and that they are, uh, that they have these ideas and stuff. It's 
like so much of it, it's mind blowing. So much of it is just through the conversations I have with them. Um, yeah, which I'm so grateful for. Like I also, I get so filled with joy um, that that's part of their experience. But my experience is that that's what my role, I guess, in, in their learning journey is, is just being the person who gets to have those awesome conversations about anything and everything. Mm-hmm. I definitely use the term project-based, or I have used the term project-based quite often in conversations with other, with probably with people, that, um, well, but I guess both people who are home educating, but also with people who aren't, I guess, to, as a, as a bit of a shorthand to how we might live our life. I guess the thing for me, though, and I know we've talked, I've definitely talked about this before, but, but for me, the def- definition of what a project is, is very broad. Um, so we have all kinds, we've always got projects going on, as far as I'm concerned, all of us in this house have got projects going on all the time, but they don't necessarily look like projects, yeah, they don't look like school projects, so quite often people do do essays, in this house people have done essays people have done presentations people have done all those things tests all those things that you mentioned all of that has been a very um child-led part of our unschooling definitely um (laughs) um, but I kind of see projects as basically anything that we're interested in is kind of you know I'm really into walking at the moment I feel like that's a project that's a project for me that's one of my projects and (laughs) I kind of and 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 for my children you know what whatever interest they might have but what but what the the but they're not doing that project for me or they're not doing that project for anyone else but and they can stop that project whenever they want and they don't even you know they may well not refer to it as a project that's just my thing not theirs and um and i i mean i do ask the question of what what projects are you working on at the moment you know that is a common question that i will ask my children and then they'll you know they'll talk to me about what they're doing um but there's no requirement to, for them to to produce um a specific finished product and there's no requirement for them to continue with that project to any particular destination i think that's one of the really important parts of unschooling as well is that kids um can drop things when they want to and they can pick things up again and and just because somebody drops something doesn't mean they've dropped it forever I think that's a really important thing to remember as well because sometimes we yeah sometimes things lay dormant we have interests and passions and hobbies and things that um that that we care about that we don't give as much attention to and then we come, come back to them later on I think that's a natural that can be a natural cycle of learning and that that there's um the, the whole thing about how you can often have a break from something and then come back to it and actually have an aha moment or realize that you you know that happens with things like i don't know swimming cycling learning to read all kinds of things you can not do it for a while and then when you go back to try it again you suddenly realize that you had a leap in terms of your progress and how you you know seemingly we might imagine that more practice naturally leads to improvement and sometimes it does but also taking a break sometimes leads to massive um jumps in learning as well doesn't it i think Mm -hmm. i digress i love thinking about different ways of what that term means that 
um, project-based learning because, and I think it, it's kind of fun to look at it with de-schooling because as I think you're, you're both saying, project-based learning or, or people just doing projects is going to go much better if we are working on that de-schooling process within ourselves. Because yeah, I think it's that idea of extrinsic versus intrinsic, I think. And most of us think of projects as being related to extrinsic expectations, right? A due date, uh, getting marked. And most importantly, probably it has to be complete. So I think like maybe we can step back from the mark marking piece or the presenting piece, but I know for many people and for myself as well, you'll see a child getting engaged in something and you're thinking, this is great, right? And and that can be a part of self-directed learning. But I think what can be hard for us sometimes is to recognize that um, it, it only needs to go as far as a child is getting something out of it. Um, and I know we've, we've talked about that before, that we may have this idea, this image of what it's going to look like, but that might not have had anything to do with the reason they were doing it. They, you know, they, they might be coming at it from a completely different angle and they might get what they needed out of it. That's maybe like 50% of what we, of what we imagined, you know, the process would be. I was thinking about how it was two or three years ago and my daughter decided that um, she wanted to have her own, like her own Christmas tree with her own theme. Um, it's not a huge tree, but it's not a little one either. Like it's kind of a, a middle-sized tree. And that became such a interesting, I guess, she, I mean, Haley, you're talking about like walking being a, being a project. So it definitely depends how we define these things, but it really was like a project for her. As far as choosing the tree, she got really interested in like the color scheme and got interested in, you know, what themes she wanted um it was so fun to watch like it really was I, I really think you could define it as a project it was something that she took on she was interested in she researched it um and I can think of times where I had one one um one of my sons in particular would work really hard at a project so it would be extrinsic in the sense that you know, sometimes like libraries or stores will offer like a prize or a gift card or a cash prize or whatever um, for a certain assignment or, or, a, or a certain uh, project of sorts. And he did some really cool things. I mean, he he wrote an essay on I think one of the ones for the newspaper was like, you know, what would you do if you were prime minister of the country and that kind of thing. And he did so much research on that. And he wrote this really cool essay about that. And he did something similar for the library. Uh, it was a video that he had to put together and, and research your kind of advertising different things that they had. And that one, I think, was like a, a gift card for an electronic store. So I guess you could say that it was extrinsically motivated in the sense that there was a reward at the end. He did want to finish it but it was also intrinsic in that it wasn't assigned like nobody said to you or said to him sorry this is due by this date it it has to happen he intrinsically decided to meet that outer um request or or whatever so it was like a little bit of both but i think i could think of that as sort of those are projects as well right they're things that you're working toward for various reasons so it's just kind of cool to think about all the different ways you can 
think about those terms. But I think a lot of people think of project-based learning as the kids are going to meet these requirements, but they're going to do it in a hands-on way. Or at least that's what I often think people, I I don't think that that was necessarily the intention of the book, but I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people perceive it that way. I really enjoyed that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, um, I still go to it. Yeah, yeah. I I want to throw another term into the mix and see what you think of it. And we haven't discussed this before, so I'm 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 sure you've heard of it. But game schooling mm. um, is that a term you like? Or I kind of like it I would put so game schooling for me would be probably in the same category as world schooling or like forest school things that um I think they could be taken a couple different ways I think sometimes people put the word school on it because it becomes a common way of people knowing what it is or finding out about it I think that's especially with something like forest school. I think that's maybe become uh, an easy way to uh, maybe get people's attention a little bit about, about what something is. Game schooling is an interesting one because I think it's, it's maybe similar to project-based learning in that it depends how you interpret it. So if the, if, if the motive on the part of the parent is to, um, teach a certain skill or there's a certain expectation and they're trying to do it in a fun way that that will be fun for some kids and for other kids it'll be like um (laughs) a red flag will go up (laughs) like some kids just have that intuition of you know they'd almost just rather do the worksheet than than kind of be gamed into to learning it um but i think on a natural level, yeah, there are so many games uh, have so much to offer as far as different skills, different opportunities to spend time together. I find sometimes the games that we've learned the most from aren't necessarily targeted as learning games. You know, like you play a game like Clue. There's so much keeping track of information. There's so much like... uh, critical thinking process of elimination that sometimes I think there's more learning from that than there is maybe like a, a math game or a, you know, a geography game or, or whatnot. Yeah. I mean, I really, I really like the term. The bit that I really like is the fact that it reminds us that we can learn from anything. And I think sometimes yeah sometimes the idea of games and of play is that it's a bit frivolous and it's not important and I, and I and I really like the emphasis that that you um I mean I don't I, and there's uh, a great blog I think it's my little poppies and I think she's called mm-hmm. Kate and and it's like a great great um resource for finding games and um and opening our eyes I guess to what things we can learn from different games so I love all that um I think yeah one of the one of the things that's really interesting that you said Erin is often the games that are designed specifically to teach us something (laughs) are sometimes the games that we don't like because again it's kind of like um 
or I'm, I can't think what the term is now. Uh, is it stealth? Self-learning or something. I can't think what the term is. But the idea that you, it's a sort of a, um, the idea of trying to get our kids to learn things without them realising that we're trying to get them to learn things. I'm muddling that all up, aren't I? But, but yeah, but when there's an element of control and coercion and manipulation, um, I feel like, yeah, that then it, it, then we're going into kind of um, not so nice territory because um, that's, um, it seems a little unfair on our children, but also it's possibly going to backfire because of that element of us as humans resisting control and coercion. But I did. I love the fact. Um, I know for a fact that we've learned so much. I know for a fact that sounds a little bit arrogant. I feel like I know <laughs> that we, as a family, all of us, have learned so much from so many different types of games. Not just the board games, but the video games and the kind of um, you know physical, practical, moving games. You know. There, there are so many different types of games out there, and I love, uh, yeah, I love that. If that sparks for somebody, um, that kind of enables them to enjoy their love of games and and feel reassured that that's a a, a legit avenue for learning, then that's a really positive thing. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that made a lot of sense. No, absolutely. I like what both of you guys shared. And I think I, I feel similar um, about game schooling specifically. Um, I get really excited when I hear something like that. And I remember when I first learned about game schooling and I was listening to uh, a, um, a parent whose homeschooling daughter was like a young adult now. So she was talk reflecting back and how they very much did game schooling. And she used that term. And I got really excited because I was like, oh, this is like a specific example of um, like the way I would describe it as like an alternative way to, of learning. Um, and it, yeah, it has that fun element. Um, and there's so many different games. And I like how you pointed out, Haley, about like it's not just board games, because when I did first hear uh, game schooling, that is what came to mind for me, which is interesting because. I mean, this was a few years ago, so my guys would have been younger um, and we played games, but we hadn't got into a lot of the board games yet. Um, but we did. I mean, there's like, yeah, the video games and even I'm not going to be able to think of a good example off the top of my head, but like the more physical games, you know, even sports or like hide and go seek is one that I thought of. I mean, game schooling can just be there's so much out there, especially once you go looking for it. I will say, though, from like more of like our experience for our family, because um, I've come across some families who are like, we're game schoolers. Like, that's how we identify. We game school. And I'm just like, what does that look like? Like, how many games do you play in a day? <laughs> and like, there must be a, you're definitely learning other ways, too. So um, not that I mean, that's fine. Um, that That's totally OK. It's just kind of harder for me to. um I guess, visualize what that would look like. Um, and from our experience, like, we certainly play, we play a lot of games, board games, any or like uh, games like Jenga has been out a lot, Connect Four, lots of video games and Minecraft, um, games that we make up, 
that's another fun one or we take a game and then like the kids like switch it up they they love doing that and they make up their own rules and stuff so I love the um like there's actually a lot of flexibility in it and a lot of um I think it was Haley like you said like um but like people like different types of games too so you can really go find what works for you um but I had I did have a conversation with one mom a while ago and her kids are a little bit younger than mine too. So it's probably different with the different ages of kids, right? Like, like if you've got really young ones or like um, maybe like 10 to 12 and then the teens, like you're talking different games and then also like the capacity or whatever you want to call it um, to play a game with other people. Um, I was having this conversation with this other mom and she, she grew up in a family where they played games and games was like, she had a lot of good memories playing games Um not for the purpose of learning, but just like for connection within the family. Like she had um, memories of playing games with her grandparents and stuff. So she had this, um, I guess she was feeling kind of disappointed that her kids who they were probably when we were talking about this, I, I could get this wrong, but like six and four, like they were pretty young. And she was like, we can't, we're not, we're, we don't game school. <laughs> She's like, it is too hard. Like the games do not lead to pleasant memories. Um, so I think what I like about when lots of these things, game schooling, um, world schooling, like for some families, it seems like just to stick with game schooling for simplicity, like game schooling might work all the way through. And that's fantastic. But I think also keeping in mind that um, like you don't have to, what am I trying to say here? Like you just take what you want and leave the rest, right? So like if games are going great for your family, um, and you're spending lots of times, especially like where we live, um, like it gets cold and we tend to play more games inside as the, it gets um, colder. But then when um, the weather warms up, we're playing a lot less games. So I try not to get stuck um, is what I, I guess I'm trying to say. I've got noise in the background now. Um, but uh, just to like sometimes you might feel like game schoolers. And which might be in my future. We'll see. That would be exciting if my kids get into it a little bit more. But it's okay if you go away from that as well, too. I think like with all these different types of the same with forest school, right? Like sometimes it works. It's okay if it stops working or if you come back to it later. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah. And I I don't know. I feel like I learned a lot. Just that's why I love these conversations, because I hadn't even been thinking about like, um, physical games like hide and seek and those kinds of things. But yeah, you can, there are so many different ways that you can play and incorporate things. And Haley, I'd never thought about the idea of by attaching the word school to game. I think I'm understanding this. It, it, it gives maybe a little bit more respect to games or, or it kind of, it kind of illustrates maybe how um, worthwhile they can be because we do tend to associate learning with school, it kind of, it kind of brings them up a little bit as far as the worth that they can, that they can have. And I do just want to say that we did use, we did use games. I never, I guess I'm not really a big label person. I never thought about it as game schooling, but yeah, we did like, for example, um, I can think really specifically like my kids learning analog time, like learning how to tell time on a clock. We had a game, I think it was called timing it right. And we loved that game. And, and I think you were talking about stealth learning Haley and that that's another 
term for me that I always find interesting. Sometimes people will call it sneaky learning as well. And it, it, it's interesting because I understand the um, motivation for it, but that's the piece that I think a lot of kids into it really easily. <laughs> and, and, and it, it, for some, it really hits them the wrong way. But I think that when you're just having an honest conversation, like this is a cool game that can help us, you know, learn to tell the time I, that that's been fun for us. Um, we had another one that we, I remember doing with like capital letters and lowercase letters. So yeah, we definitely use games as, as tools. But I think it's just understanding your own motivation and how that's getting communicated um, to your kids as far as the purpose. Yeah, because it's, it's interesting how, um, I don't know why it made me think of it, but I was just thinking then about, about museums. I think one of you mentioned this in, a, in an episode, and I can't remember when it was. Or maybe it was just in a general conversation. But the idea of, of kind of when you go to the, you go to a museum and sometimes you go to a museum and you just have a little meet around. And sometimes you go to a museum and you, you know, you purchase or you get given a kind of treasure hunty quiz type thing. Um, and sometimes you really like that. And sometimes your kids really like that and you do that and that's great. And then there are other times you go to museums and, uh, and I know um, we have a, um, quite a few museum trips organised in, in our local home ed group. And often those come with, um, you know, kind of led sessions where there'll be somebody from the museum who's talking about a particular um, exhibit or a particular time in history or something. And I think all of those, all of those things are equally valid. All of those things can lead to learning. All of those things can be really enjoyable. But also, all of those things won't work for everyone, and and in it, and it's really nice to be able to pick and choose from those things rather than value. You know, some people might feel that the only way that kids could learn from that museum was by doing the treasure hunt or by doing the 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 lead group, having an expert from the museum interpreting the exhibits for them. Whereas, in actual fact, there's a lot of um, yeah, a lot of informal learning that happens in in museums, isn't it? You know, and you and I guess I'm I'm thinking now again about what we were talking about earlier about having to finish things. I think sometimes you go on a school trip, perhaps, and you get zoomed through a museum and you have to go to every floor. <laughs> and then, you know, some kids will be taking in everything and come away and they've learned loads. Other kids will be like, well, that was just went by in a flash and I missed it all. It was just too fast, you know, it's kind of, um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know, what, I don't know what my point was there. I was thinking about this whole self-learning thing and about how learning, you know, um, learning does happen naturally and it does happen accidentally. It doesn't always have to be um, purposefully created and sometimes those opportunities don't have to be perfect created and sometimes they can work really well and they can you know we, we definitely have got lots of value from we, we're quite I guess we're quite treasure hunty quizzy people so we we will quite often get a you know I quite like doing those go to a museum and get the, the, the quiz sheet 
Um, but that's not the only way to learn, is it, from that museum? I guess that's what I'm, yeah, I guess I'm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's making me think, um, and I don't know why I'm having a moment of like, have we already said this? But I don't think we have today. So just stop me if I'm, I'm not sure. But strewing is coming to mind as you're talking about that, um, which is another, from my experience in the last good few years now with home educating, um, strewing has come up and we've done our fair share of trying and experimenting with strewing. And I know I've had fun with it. Um, so I've spent quite a bit of time thinking about strewing and um, having conversations with other homeschool families. Um, and like, what does it mean to strew? How do you strew? What do you strew? Do you have a strewing schedule? But that whole idea of, uh, and everybody has, like I've learned that um, strewing means different things for different people. Um, and it, you know, it can be used uh, as a way of like, um, you know, whether it's just providing materials or an activity for the fam for the kids. Um, or if you want, I know some families, like if they want to specifically have, um, you know, their kids learn something or come across something, they strew that, whether they leave out like a game or a book or a magazine or a movie, like there's so many examples, which is so fun. But that's just another one that's come up as we were talking about this, because um, I think I've spent quite a bit of time thinking about um, like the purpose behind strewing for myself and my kids like if I'm strewing something in a however we want to say it like because I'm trying to just like sneak something in or because I'm like oh you really need to practice this um that won't they won't touch it <laughs> especially my one my my younger one might but my older one will just I don't know like I think so. Like, I don't do it anymore because I've learned my lesson. But when they were a lot younger, they just always stayed away from those activities. If I had any kind of, I'm having trouble thinking of the right words, but like if I was putting out an activity to teach them something specific, right? Um, those were the ones that didn't get touched. Um, but that, that whole idea of like kind of hiding the learning or um, tricking them into spending time with something or learning something um, has been an interesting uh, conversation I've had with a lot of parents now. And strewing is just, yeah, a term that's come up over the years for me that I had, I don't think, I think play invitations I had heard of um, prior to home educating, um, but strewing has been a pretty big one that's floated around from what I've come across in the last little bit. And um I don't know, as we're talking about all of these different terms, Erin, I keep thinking back to your blog post where you kind of like the way I read your blog post, like, because you started homeschooling, um, however many years ago, um, I think like you were kind of saying, right, like those terms maybe weren't around, or it's not the way you were coming across them. So you were like, in your blog post, I'm just going to throw this out there. I don't even know if you did game schooling, you did a great list of so many, you're like, okay, game schooling, this is what it is. You're like, did we game school? Like, is this what it looked like? And I think I've just been thinking about that a lot um, throughout this conversation, because for me, like from my experience, like game schooling, strewing, forest school, and there's like, we have a list, like there's so many different terms. For me, it's just been so helpful. Like poetry tea, tea time is something we haven't done. I think it's a lovely idea and I see other people do it. And I think it's so cool that we have a name for poetry uh, tea time because then if that's something that you really get into for your family and your family really loves 
it's easier to find resources and connections and talk with other people who are also uh, benefiting from that or enjoying it at that time. And you could just say that with, with all of them. But for me, it's these terms are like, they have a practical use to them. Um, and then I can leave them if that, if that makes sense. But I, I keep going back to your blog post, Aaron. So we'll have to make sure that we share that. Cause that one's yeah. a helpful one. Yeah, that does make sense. And, and I think, because I think what I was referring to is after so many years of being more focused at like a local level, when I, when I looked online and I was just like, oh my gosh, there's this whole list of jar- like, there's a whole language that seems to have come up and there were so many different things that it, you, you know, I, my uh, reaction was to kind of go, oh man, did like, what did we miss out on? Or what did I not understand? But then it's true when you break them down, a lot of these things are things that you might be doing naturally anyway. So it's not that you desperately need the label, but the label can be helpful if you're trying to find out more about that specific thing or you think, you know, that your your family might be interested in a in a certain um, direction or, or what whatever. Um, I'm interested in your perspective perspectives on how hmm, how true to labels or how accurate we need to be when we're describing things so we've kind of touched on the idea that sometimes nature school might not be that schoolish at all it might be but it's kind of a broad term that we use for a lot of things and and that might be the same we can interpret you know project-based learning differently and I think if we're circling back, let's say, to unschooling or any kind of, I guess, homeschooling that, that people are doing, there, there can be, I think, a lot of focus on that sometimes. I've seen people talk about themselves as, you know, classical unschoolers or, um, you know, kind of putting things together a little bit and feeling like maybe they're not fully understood from either side or or either kind of framework and you know i i think first of all i don't think we need to use labels unless we want to so sometimes they can be confusing and sometimes they can maybe lead people to feel excluded or to really try to fit into a certain label um but on the other hand they can be really useful for us finding each other finding resources finding ideas um but I think it can get tricky sometimes too, right? right? There, there's that, there's that idea of either who we are or what we're doing, if that needs to fit neatly into something. And just to give an example, something that I kind of go back and forth on, because, you know, we're talking about unschooling a lot here. I'm in a couple of unschooling um, online groups. I co-facilitate uh, an online unschooling group. And yet my website talks about me being an eclectic homeschooler. So I've gone back and forth about this a lot because I feel like both are true. And so sometimes I'm like, hmm, should I, should I change the wording on my website or should I? But the eclectic piece speaks to me a lot. And I, I did have somebody say to me, but isn't unschooling inherently eclectic? Like if you're unschooling it, you know, you're open to all kinds of things. It's inherently eclectic. And I'm like, well, yes, I kind of, but I also think that for us, we 
I don't know. I feel like we have a lot of different things that we, we pull from. I think maybe some families are more sports oriented or more um, tech oriented or more arts oriented. And I feel like those are things that we're always pulling from. Um, and maybe other people are too, but the word eclectic just speaks to me as far as kind of the different things that we do. And I do consider us to be a homeschool family. And I, I know that isn't a fit for some unschool unschool people they really do feel it's not a form of unschooling and I I get that like I understand that but at the same time in the context of our society that we are we are homeschoolers that's how we would be classified by the by the school system um and it's also a way for people to find me because I don't really want to be exclusive to just one type of home of homeschooling, I think there's a lot of things that we talk about that can be relatable to all kinds of different people. So it's a catch 22 for me. So I try to have enough information on my website that is about unschooling. But part of part of unschooling for me is about enjoying the whole world, not just talking about unschooling all the time. <laughs> so I, I feel like by putting the word unschooling there, it makes it seem like that's all that I want to talk about. And that isn't all I want to talk about. I really want to talk about choice and education and learning and family life. So yeah, <laughs> that's, that's just something I think about is like, how do we define ourselves? Does it matter? Does it not? Um, what's useful to people? What isn't right? I think, yeah, I think it's the same with this podcast, isn't it? We, we, We've chosen a name that doesn't include unschooling, even though unschooling is a large part of what we talk about. And 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 like I said before, it's the it, I guess that 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 was the the thing that drew us to each other. I guess was that that was a commonality between us. But but it but it was only one aspect of something that really that was common. I guess there were the the fact that we yeah we do care so much about lots of the same issues like respect and trust and communication and children's rights and children's safety and you know um nurturing our all kinds of things that we have in in common and it is a really i've i've long had a love-hate relationship with labels because i think it is human nature to kind of classify, categorize, give names to things because you know we love, yeah, we love having a name. We love. It is important for us to, to kind of know what we're to, you know to know what we're talking about. I suppose the the problem is that we don't always yeah we don't always agree on what those labels mean, do we? And one of the thing that one of the things that troubles me about labels. I guess is that um, especially when it comes to trying to define people, um, is that it, is that things like unschooling. I guess this kind of um, if you believe in the idea that there is either you are either an unschooler or you are not an unschooler, then I guess there there is this imaginary line somewhere where people will fall. <laughs> on one side or another and actually the similarities that the people have that fall on one fall on the perhaps not being an unschooler 
and the people that fall just over the other side of the line into being an unschooler, the similarities between those two people could be massive, so much more than the differences. The similarities are, they're so close. I kind of, yeah, I feel like that, but somebody perhaps could potentially, there's a disservice to somebody. I'm not saying which side necessarily gets the disservice, but that's kind of the, the, the problem I have with Abel, I guess, is where, because as people, we tend to, yeah, I guess we've all got more in common as, as human beings. We have so much in common, don't we? Wherever we are in the world and whatever, you know, whatever stage of life we're at. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, I guess that's my, my problem with labels, I guess, is when it starts to exclude people, I guess, or people feel hurt because they're not included or people feel lost because they don't. Yeah, it's, it's that element um, that, that starts to become difficult when it when it's about, it's all, you know, it's one thing naming a chair, but even naming a chair, you can get into, you know, you can... There is definitely, there's definitely um, room for um, discussion and negotiation about what is actually a chair or not, <laughs> isn't there? Even when we're, we're thinking about something that might, at first glance, seem like, like it's obvious whether it's a chair or not. You know, there's going to be edges, of, edges of, um, where we don't agree. So I guess that that's the yeah that's the problem. I think labels are so hugely useful in many ways, but in other ways they can be yeah they can be divisive and they can be they can exclude people and they can be a cause of of conflict and tension, can't they? So yeah, I um that kind of came to mind, I think something similar here to what you're saying. Well, two things. One, I relate to what you're saying, Erin. Um, I can't say I've put as much thought onto it because it's not, I can see why you would because it's your blog and the website. Um, but I was just thinking in the past, I have thought about my Instagram account because that's where I connect with a lot of other home educating families um, and unschooling families. And I've thought about that because I noticed some people will have right on, you know, whether it's their Instagram handle or in their like bio or whatever it is, they'll say unschooler or unschooling. And I've thought about that because I really do identify like I would describe us and label us, I guess, as as unschoolers. And I do. Um, but I haven't made that change. And I think it's because of similar to what you've said, I very much feel part of the homeschool or I, I often will try to say home educating because I do prefer that over homeschool. Not that I have a problem with that. I just identify more with the home education and just get rid of the school. Um, so I, I relate to what you're saying quite a bit as far as like when you think about like when you're actually trying to put the labels down, I guess, um, for yourself. Um, and then that makes me think about that other piece is I've always felt really strongly about people. And I think a lot of people would feel this way, um, that everyone gets to self-identify regardless of what it, um, is about. So when we're talking about, you know, if, and we've even, we've talked about this before, right? Like I can say I'm an unschooling mom or an unschooling parent, um, or uh, I'll say like we're a home educating family and I'm like self-identifying. I'm choosing the labels to place on 
myself, but I'm also doing it with the kids. So I have to be mindful of that as well. Um, because they don't necessarily, um, identify as, you know, they might not say, um, I'm an unschooler. Um, so I just, I've always felt really strongly about people, um, getting to, I guess, pick what labels, um, they want to wear or use on themselves. And that, um, that they don't feel stuck, I guess, is the other piece of that too, that, um, your identity, um, can change. Um, so in thinking about like unschooling and, and home educating, um, I'm, if I say I'm an unschooling parent, well, one day my kids might go to school and then I'm, I probably won't identify as an unschooling parent, at least not in that sense. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's a nice, that's an important thing to, to consider. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it, you know, I, when my, uh, one of my kids went to high school for his last couple of years and I had somebody say to me, well, he's still unschooling because he's choosing to go. And I see, I, like, I get where they were coming from with it, but I guess the way that I would see that is his, he was still self-directing his education because he was choosing to go. But it was a funny time for her to say that to me because there, it was very schoolish. There were all kinds of exams coming up and all sorts of things. And it was like, well, it's not really, it's really not unschooling right now. It's very schoolish, but yes, he is self-directing. So I think there's, there's that other place. Like there's the idea of not assigning labels because we don't necessarily want to dictate that for somebody else or leave somebody out. But then there's that other interesting thing where I think sometimes people or we can can try to fit ourselves into a label and and it's okay not to be that label like I would I would say we had a period of time for a few years where we did dive into more curriculum and my daughter in particular was you know seeing some cool things that other people were doing and we we you know got some curriculum and did things differently and it was self-directed but it was a period of time that wasn't as unschooly. So I think, you know, the flip of that for us is, is to not get too attached to being part of a, a label or, you know, for that person talking about my son, almost trying to assure me that I could still have that label, but it didn't, or that he could have that label, but it really didn't feel like a fit in that moment. Kind of like you're, you're saying, Ashley, that maybe if your kids went to school, you wouldn't necessarily call yourself an unschool mom, but other people do, because maybe even though their kids are in school, they're not centering school in their lives. So it still makes sense for them to, to, to use that label. So I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. And I I think that sometimes people can um, kind of work so hard to maybe to, to fit into a label that they can push up against definitions or framework of the label. And then that gets tricky because it kind of dilutes what, what that framework is as well, if that makes any sense. And then that gets confusing. So it's, it's an interesting, yeah, it's an interesting conversation because they can be useful for sure, but um, also limiting if we try to put ourselves or other people to, kind of um completely in in them 
Yeah. And I think as we're saying, the words themselves don't always fully express what we, what we fully mean either. Yeah. I think about, Oh, sorry, Haley. I was just going to quickly say, I think back to what we've said, like when someone, um, you know, once in a while they'll ask, like if, especially if I'm in a homeschool space or like at forest school or, or where we're with other, like they know we homeschool and they'll say, um, you know, what philosophy do you follow or how, how do you homeschool or however they ask the question. And I'll, I'll say in that situation, I'll say we unschool. And there's always a little piece of me that thinks like, that doesn't tell you anything <laughs> because what does that even mean? Um, and often, I mean, sometimes they'll be like, they'll ask more questions and I'll have an opportunity to actually explain what I mean when I say we unschool, but, but often I don't necessarily have that opportunity and they're left with very little information. Cause I've just said we unschool and then whatever they think that is, 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 you know, that's what they'll, they'll think we do, which could be pretty far off from what we actually do. So it's, it is, it's definitely tricky. Mm-hmm. My favorite, actually, and I know a lot of uh, some people don't like this question, but I actually find it easy. People will will sometimes say, "Well, what curriculum do you use?" And because we have used bits and pieces, I can start the conversation. <clears throat> excuse me by giving a few names, but then kind of follow it up with, you know, curriculum isn't really what leads our learning. So we we choose bits and pieces of it. But I actually don't mind that question because it gives a little bit of a segue um, into talking a little bit more specifically if the person is interested, which sometimes people aren't. But Yeah, and there's so many nuances and so many differences. And I think it's so important as well that to, to recognize that just because um, a philosophy that we, that we love or we feel that kind of um, describes us um, a bit or, or helps to describe what we're doing, unschooling, doesn't mean that we don't ever use curriculum or we don't ever do exams or we don't ever do tests or we don't, you know, we still do lots of other things that other people would recognise as home education it's not some um yeah that's not it's not the case I think that's I mean there are a lot of misconceptions about unschooling I think and um and one of those I think is that if you yeah if you do do that or you do um yeah your children follow a curriculum or something that 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 you that that's it then you're kind of kicked out (laughs) Mm-hmm. As if, as if you know, there is nobody to kick you out. There is no unschooling society that we can join. That you know, there are there are communities that we can we can choose to join, and we can choose to leave and stuff. But there isn't, you know, it's not like we're signing up to something and we get a little card that says, "I'm an unschooler." <laughs> well, and I think that kind of circles me back around to what we were talking about a little bit at the beginning, which is the term that we each tend to use. And I think that's another reason why the whole life learning thing fits for me right now is that um, it doesn't take away school as an option. It doesn't take away a course or because, you know, courses are often part of life or maybe not even like a put together structured course, but studying a particular subject on its own can be enjoyable, can be part of life. So it, 
it it really is just more about equalizing things and having that choice than it is about um, not being something, which is what I think the word unschooling often often conveys, right? So it's um, I I do love though that the the um, the idea of unschooling is still a a, a term that I, that I I really like in some ways. Um, and I know that there's a lot of talk about how, um, yeah, it's got the word school in it. Why do we need that? And the fact that it's unning something is like really negative. Whereas I think there's also, you could also look at it another way though and think that that um, the un could be more about, I don't know, being without something rather than um, being, it can be a positive thing rather than a negative thing. So the kind of um, um, like unconditional love is a, is a good thing. <laughs> that, start, that, that starts with that. That's not a negative thing, is it? It's a good thing. To, well, maybe some people think it is a negative thing, but I, I feel like unconditional love for our kids is a really positive force. And, and so I don't necessarily see, see that. Yeah, I don't necessarily see that unschooling as a... As a um, yeah, kind of negative thing. I can see why people might might feel that definitely, but for me, that's never been so much of a, a problem. And I do like the idea of um, yeah, of, of the whole idea of questioning. I guess of, of yeah, I like I like the, you know I like the, the I, I recognise definitely that unschooling isn't is a an alternative to school. So it is related to our children being school age and um, but there is also some value in us yeah using elements of that elements of the philosophy throughout our whole lives because not you know it, when we start to question that um, how do we learn and what is our motivation and stuff um, you know we learn so much as unschooling parents from our children and we often it, it, it often it sparks in us a whole new set of opportunities and possibilities and learning that that you know that that um that that is for our whole life like you use the term erin of uh, whole life learning it is you know learning doesn't stop and this whole um yeah sorry i don't want to say yeah. that but <laughs> well, get the gist of what i mean yeah yeah, yeah, but I also think that it can, um, as much as we want to, like, I can say, well, you know, I whole life learning works for me because I'm not even having the word school in it or whatever. The fact is, we do still live in a very schooled society. So, so that word unschooling is very useful to, for, for people to understand, like, what we're not doing. And, and I think it also probably depends on kind of like the mental space I'm in, because you know, if we're having a beautiful time or I'm off learning about something that I want to personally, then it, you know, whole life learning sounds very positive and it's a fit. But at other times, you know, we've been working on a, a document for my daughter lately and, and coming up against some very frustrating situations with school system related stuff. And in those moments, I'm like, oh, this is not, this is not us. This is not what we do. And this is why I'm finding it so hard. So in those moments, I really feel 
like an unschool person for sure, because it, it's bringing me face to face with, um, what the majority of our, our, our society does. So I think maybe how we define ourselves also depends on just kind of like the zone we're in, in a particular time and like what we've been able to surround our, ourselves with. Um, but yeah, and I, I mean, I've certainly heard people talk, you know, I think Esther Jones talks about unraveling and there are, the, you're right, Haley, there's so many different ways to think about, to think about these things. So we could go on and on, but. <laughs> yeah, and I think if anybody has, if, if anybody listening has any definitions that they'd like us to discuss, then we're always open to that. Those suggestions, that would be. You know, that would be really... Uh, yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are we... Is, anything else? Or are we at the end of our, our term, <laughs> term ideas? I'm, yeah, I'm good. I thought that was wonderful. I mean, we covered quite a bit while still going into to what we brought up. So, I mean, there could be another uh, episode in the future where, where we do more, I think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm good. To, yeah. Like I'm good to wrap, to wrap up. And I think, um, I feel like this will be really related to a couple of other episodes that were one that we've already done and maybe ones that we have planned in the future where we're just diving into some of these specifics, um, around our role, around terminology, all those pieces. So, okay. Yeah. We'll be back soon. So good to see you both. Thank yeah. You. yeah. Thank Bye. you. Bye. And this ends our conversation today. We hope you found it interesting and maybe helpful. If you'd like to connect further or see additional content, Haley can be found on the web and on Instagram at Taking a Kinder Path. Erin can be found at Everlearning. And I, Ashley, can be found on Instagram at Ashley as Mama and at Storytime Shelves. We'd be very grateful if you'd share this conversation with anyone you think might appreciate it. Thank you for your time today.